last couple of messages last month, amazing, amazing messages. If you did not hear the message last week on the sequoia tree, I strongly encourage you to go online, coastalchurch.org, and watch, listen to that or watch that, that video because that is one of those messages that you can listen to over and over and over again and how God really intends us to go a whole other level in, in growth and how it works and Pastor James alluded to it in being in community and how that allows us to grow deeper and higher. And God has, he does have a better, he has a better way for each one of you that are here, each one of us. This morning, Jesus has, he's waiting for today. When we were praying for the messages, and Pastor Dave, this was very much a uh, a collaboration. We we reviewed the material together. We prayed together. We researched it together. And I may be delivering it, but I, I feel like it's it's our message to you, to our church. But in that, in that prayer time, it was it was Jesus saying, "I have something. I want to give you something. I want to give you something. I want to give you rest." So He's here this morning. And he wants to give you something that you possibly didn't know was yours to have when you walked in here. And we trust that as you leave here, you'll say, you know what? I'm walking in his rest. I'm lighter. It's less. It's, it's better. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, he said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's a gift. Rest is a gift. And in that heaviness... It's that it, those who are weary and heavy, that weary is just exhaustion to the point of exhaustion. Have you ever been to the place where you're just exhausted? You just don't even think you can think clearly. I remember the first missions trip that I went on and took young adults along with us, some teens and young adults. And so you plan this trip that's full on, busy, 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 because you, you don't want 18, 19-year-olds You've got to keep their schedule full. And we did. We kept their schedule really full, not realizing that not only does their schedule have to be full, but your schedule has to be full in maintaining their schedule. And we, I remember being in this apartment, and uh, they, were, they were getting ready for a worship, and we were, we were going to be ministering in a smaller setting. And they were in this group, and the worship was just starting. And I could not wait for the worship to start so I could close my eyes. Just, I just have to close my eyes. Maybe you've been there, but my physically, I was exhausted. It was my first trip overseas, and you know the time difference was twelve hours, and my body was trying to adjust to that. And it was my first experience of being a physical exhaustion. So you could be physically exhausted, but you can also be mentally exhausted, where you just have to keep where your mind is replaying the same thing over and over and over again. Maybe you have to make a decision, and you play in your mind all the different dynamics of that decision. If, if I make this decision, then this, is, this could possibly happen. And you're mentally exhausted. Maybe you're spiritually exhausted in the sense that I feel like I'm doing, doing, doing for God instead of being with God. There's a huge difference as a Christian on what you do with God and what you do for God. Make sure what you're doing with God is your stabilizer. You're with him. You're hidden in him. That's your strength. The daily devotions, prayer time, uh, reading God's word. 
That's, your, that, that's, our, that's our, our sustainability. That's, that's what keeps us going. It's not what we do for God. Even that, what I just mentioned about equipping bases and you can serve in a place in the church, that can never take the place of our quiet time and our alone time with God. That's an outflow of our time with the Lord. And if we don't recognize that, then what we'll start doing is doing. And we'll think that I'm doing all these things for God, so all these things should be happening in my life, but the only thing that's happening is I'm getting burnt out. Have you ever heard of spiritual burnout? That's what it's from. It's because we think if we do, 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 then God will do, do, do for us. And it doesn't work that way. Everything we do for the Lord is just an outflow of what we've done with him. And that's our strength. That's where we hide ourselves in Christ. That's really... Psalm 1, which I think we talked about last week, Psalm chapter 1, as as well as Psalm 91. And so staying in in that place. So in a place of rest that Jesus has for us, he said, Come to me, all those who are weary, who are exhausted, or are heavy laden. And that Greek word for heavy laden, uh, it's interesting because it says to load up like a vessel or an animal. Have you ever seen a mule that's just overloaded and... Maybe you haven't seen it, but maybe you've watched it on TV. Maybe one of those mules. You know how they go down the Grand Canyon in Arizona, and they just load all these, this equipment on them? Or a vessel that you see in the harbor, that a cargo vessel, and it's just loaded down, uh, leaving the port. How loaded. That's really what that verse is saying. It's in that same, same token. You're heavy laden. So Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me, those who are weary, who are exhausted, Come to me, those that are heavy laden, just feel like you're carrying way too much. And then he says, and I will give you rest. So this morning, he's here to say, I want to give you rest. I want to. Love that. I'll give you rest. So we're going to look at the word rest in an acronym. Look at four different words. R being refresh, E being enter, S being Sabbath, and T being time. And just as we go through those four words, hopefully... I trust that the Holy Spirit is going to flow through me and minister to you. Amen? Amen. So if you have Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, I encourage you to get it on your smartphone. Uh, if you have it in, in print format, that's okay too. We still do carry Bibles. There are still people that carry Bibles with them, so that's, that's okay too. Man, I'm having a hard time. I love underlining and writing in my Bible. I'm not sure if anybody else does that. I just like to be able to write and look back and write dates. And, and the online thing or the, the smartphone, I can now highlight. Yeah, I highlight, but I can't write note the same kind of, while well, you type in the notes. Somehow I lose my, I don't know what it is, but it, they're both good. Whatever you have, I encourage you to get out. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. And if you can get it in the Message Bible, oh, that's, that's even better. Because I'm going to read this out of the Message. It says in verse 28, Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. This is Jesus talking. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Stop. I will show you a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Okay, well, that just tells us something right there that rest may not be what we think rest is. Rest is let's get away from everything and we just have to go veg somewhere. Sometimes that's what we think. If I was to say, what would rest be for you? Often the comments that come back is, I have to be alone. I have to, you know, it's just, it's, let me be at a spa where everybody pampers me. That's just something else. But he's actually saying, I'll give you rest. Walk with me. Work with me. 
and I'll give you the rest. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Another translation says after, it talks about weary and heavy, and I'll give you rest. He said, for why? Because my yoke is easy. I want an easy life. And easy doesn't mean lazy. Jesus said, I will give you ease. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. What he's telling us this morning is, would would you like life to be a little easier? Would you like it to be a little lighter? Come to me. And so this morning, we're going to delve a little deeper on how to come to him so that we can walk in that ease and the lightness that he has for us. He's our rest giver. Actually, in Mark chapter 2, he says, um, I think it's in Mark, yeah, it's Mark chapter 2, where he is, he's being harassed by some religious folk on what he was doing on the Sabbath. And he says to them, um, he said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Wow. So what's that, what does that mean for us? It means he's your rest giver. Jesus, the one who you went to and said, will you take my life? The Jesus that you said, I lay my life down and allow you to be king of kings and lord of lords over is also your rescuer. He's the one that created it for you. And he's saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And so we're giving him opportunity to be complete Lord over our lives and find refreshing in that. Hmm. In Jeremiah chapter 31... Jeremiah, prophet of the time, prior to uh, verse 25, the Lord is, is prophetically speaking to him what was going on with, with the Israelites. And he, was, and he says, and then he, he makes this comment, God refreshes tired bodies and, re, and restores tired souls. The next verse after that says, uh, or another translation says, I have given rest to the weary and joy to the soaring. At this... Jeremiah fell asleep. And he said, at this I woke up and looked around and my sleep had been very sweet. If you've had a really good, sweet sleep, what do we normally, when you wake up and you're just like, wow, that was the best sleep I've ever had. What do we normally do? Why was that such a good sleep? Was it because I got a new pillow or is it the pillow I was using? Was it the, was it the mattress? Maybe you're staying in a hotel. Maybe it was the mattress. That mattress was so much better. Maybe it's because I went to bed earlier. Maybe it's because I didn't eat anything before I went to bed. And we start going through all these different reasons why we had such a good sleep. Why do we do that? Because we want it again. We love having a good sleep. We, we wake up feeling so refreshed. Jeremiah woke up with that kind of sleep where he woke up and he, was, he had such a sweet sleep. By the way, that's a great verse to stand on. If you have trouble sleeping, go to Jeremiah chapter 31 and claim that verse for yourself. God's no respecter of persons. He knows how to give good sleep. And so Jeremiah wakes up again and God just goes, keeps, keeps uh, prophetically speaking to Jeremiah. Now he's speaking into the future and he's speaking about us. And he's speaking about how God's going to put his spirit inside mankind. And as he does that, then how we're going to walk together in unity. And it's going to be a, uh, a new covenant. And he's going to wipe our sin slate clean. And he's prophetically speaking to Jeremiah about the, into the future of his plan for us. And in that clean slate, what happens? What happens when you feel like God is just 
cleaned everything? Do you remember when you gave your heart to him? Do you remember when he touched your life here or maybe there? And you, you remember back. So how did you feel? I felt so, I felt like I had a bath on the inside. It felt so clean. He cleaned that slate. And then you just feel so refreshed. And that's, he still wants to give us that. So that's the first, first letter is R for refresh. The second one is E for enter. Uh, this is a, a great verse in Psalm 100, verse 4. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. There is a password that God has for us to come into his presence. Have you ever used, I'm sure you have a password, you have a password on your computer, probably have a password on your phone, have a password into your bank account, you have a password into everything. There's passwords on everything. Maybe into your apartment you have a password. Maybe it's, it's keyed in or it's swiped. There's, there's passwords everywhere. This past week, I, I tried to get into an account that I, I forgot that I had an account in this company. And when I tried to start a new account, it said that account already exists. Has that ever happened to you? And you put your email in. But can you remember the password you used on that thing? It's like, okay. So I, tr- I used my most common password that... You know, you have that password where it doesn't matter if somebody knows it or doesn't. It's just kind of your common one that gets you into places because you have to put a password in. So I tried that one. It wasn't the right one. So then I put in another one. After six tries, it said, you can no longer access this site. We will email you a new password. And of course, they they say, we'll email you in a couple of minutes. Well, it's never a couple of minutes since I kept checking my email, you know, very patiently. No, it's still not there. It's still not there. It took about half an hour to get this silly password so I could get into this account. It's frustrating, right? It's frustrating when you can't get into something. You can't get access into something. And that, but the frustration, I couldn't put the frustration on the company. It wasn't their fault. It was my fault. And everything I wanted to access was still there. I just couldn't get to it. Because I was the one who was using the wrong password. So it is with us and the Lord. In Psalm, 9, in Psalm 100 where he says, come into his presence with, or into his gates with thanksgiving. There is a password to get into God's presence. You know what that password is? Thank you. And so often we want to get into God's presence and we, we want to know what God's will is and we want his direction and we want, and we want to be, have that intimate sense that he's hearing us and that we're in fellowship with him. And we begin to get frustrated with him. Say, God, you're not answering my prayer. God, I can't feel you. God, it doesn't seem that, you're, that you even care. And He's there. All the provision is there. We're just not using the password. The password is thank you. What did Jesus in... Matthew chapter 6, what did he say to his disciples when his disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray? The very first thing he said is, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What was he doing? He was saying, "Go, go into his presence with thanksgiving because that's your password. The password is thank you. So in Psalm 100, where it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and bless his name. A breakdown of that verse, going back to the original Hebrew, is actually quite interesting. Going into his gates is literally a gate with a lock that needs to be opened. So what's, what's the key? The password, thank you, opens up the gate. Courts, come into his courts, it literally means a yard that is securely fenced. So if you can imagine with me, that God has created for you and I 
this backyard, so to speak, that needs a key to get into. You open up the gate. You're allowed access into this yard, this court. And in that court, it was created for you. Well, what do you do in that court? goes on to say in the verse that it says, uh, give thanks to him. Give thanks to him. Well, that's interesting because you think thanks would be like, thank you, thank you. I've already done that. Didn't I? Didn't I say thank you to get in? But actually, that's a different word. And that word thank you is an action word. And that action word, interesting that it would say to, it's an, a physical act of throwing as if, as if with a stone or an arrow at or away. So what are we doing in this court? We've had access into, we're now in this yard that God has created for us. And it's a place for us to what? Cast our cares to him because he so cares for us. So we're, it's an action. I get to go into that court and I get to give him all the cares. I get to drop everything off with him. But not only am I giving him all that, I'm also receiving and accepting his provision. I'm, all, I'm receiving his rest. I'm receiving his grace. I'm receiving his abundance. I'm receiving his knowledge. I'm receiving wisdom. Didn't Proverbs say, call wisdom your sister? It's one of the best sisters I'll tell you you can have, right? Is wisdom. So where do you get to do that? In the courtyard, in that special yard that he's created for us, that we've had access to, that we're now enjoying. So we're casting action, but we're also receiving action. So we're in this place, Psalm 100, where there's, it's, a, it's, it's a great place to be. But then he's not done. And he says, and bless his name. The word bless means literally to kneel, to congratulate or salute. If you have never knelt in the presence of God, I would encourage you before the end of the day, somewhere on your own, kneel before him and bless him. It can, be in a, it can be in a bathroom. Just get on your knees and do Psalm 100 and bless him. It says, kneel. And the other two words that it means is to congratulate or salute. Now, why in the world would you congratulate God? How would you congratulate him? Bless his name. Now, this was the, this was the word that really, that really surprised me. How do I congratulate him? Because that word name actually means to acknowledge God as the one who is in a conspicuous position, one who is of renown and famous. So we are congratulating him as the one who is more conspicuous than anyone else you would know, more famous than anyone else you would know, more renowned than anyone else you know, your generation before us, the generation before that, of all time and eternity, he is the most famous, he is the most renowned, and he's the most conspicuous. His name is out there more than anybody else's, and we recognize it. So Psalm 100 is saying, bless, congratulate, salute that name. The fact that we recognize it. What does that do for you and I? Oh, he's the one that wants to be with you. He's the one that has created this courtyard where you can cast all your cares and we can receive from him and we can do this in his presence. What an amazing picture. What an amazing place that he has set up for us that we can enter into that place of rest. Oh, it's so good. 
The third one is the letter S, which is Sabbath. And again, next week we'll be going through that in more detail. But just as a teaser, what I'd like to do is a poll. And uh, so get your smartphones out. Just have them on vibrate or silent. And in this poll, I'm going to ask you the question, what comes to mind when you hear the word Sabbath? So there's five different things that... And you can key in, uh, text, the number is 37607. And if you think religion, when you think Sabbath, you think the word religion, uh, type in Sabbath 1 and enter or send. If it's solitude, Sabbath 2, and then and so on. If you really don't know what Sabbath means, just put no idea and put Sabbath 5. And we'll, we'll watch the, the poll results in just a moment. Exodus 20 verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. And that's the fourth a commandment of the Ten Commandments. And interesting verse, because Sabbath actually is a very simple word. It means intermission. Have you ever been to a, maybe a musical or a show or a drama or a play, um, a game, a hockey game, and there's an intermission, and you break in that intermission, and if you listen for a moment, you'll hear some conversation about what just transpired prior to that intermission. So you'll hear about uh, maybe a goal that was, that was exceptional, that was just shot. Or maybe you'll hear about an exceptional opera singer or a musician. And so you know, you'll hear the conversation and say, that was so good. I can't, they, they were just amazing. I'm so glad we came. And you'll hear comments about what just happened. That's what happens at an intermission. And then keep the Sabbath day holy means to keep clean or dedicate. The Sabbath is here for us for this reason. It's to take a spiritual intermission and reflect and clean our spiritual house. That's what it's, that's what it's for. It's a spiritual intermission. You know that you right now, this, this afternoon, you, you're participating in Sabbath. It's a spiritual intermission. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God just finished creation, six days of creation, And after completing six days of creation, he said, it was very good. He reflected on everything that he was just created. And then he declared day number seven to be holy and set apart. As what? As an intermission, as a reflection on what had just taken place. God did not need to create the Sabbath because he was completely wiped out and he was so tired or he had no more creativity and it had nothing to do with any of those things. It was the fact that he was saying, do as I do. And after, after watching take, uh, and living life, stop and look and reflect on all the good things that are in your life. So when we take a Sabbath like we are today, it's really an intermission to reflect on all the things that God has done in the previous week. What did he do on Wednesday? Where did you see his hand move? Where did you see him divinely set you up maybe on Tuesday morning? And maybe something happened on Friday night and you still don't understand why that happened on Friday night. And You, you know what? I'm just reflecting on that. God, I know that that's in your care. I, I'm, I'm giving that over to you. What's happening? You're taking that intermission. We're taking that time, that reflection during a day, what he declared to be a Sabbath. Let's check our poll and let's see where we're at on, on what do we think of when we th- hear the word Sabbath. Ah, there we go. Religion. Again, it's just like all the other services, same pattern all the way down. Although I think no ideas are a little higher. We, we have some no ideas here. So that's... 
Going back to Mark chapter, thanks, going back to Mark chapter 2. Interesting that Jesus said that, um, when he said that he was Lord of the Sabbath, uh, he was talking to religious people. The Sabbath was never meant to be a religious thing. It was never meant to be legalistic. I remember as a kid when I heard the word Sabbath, I, w- I would hear the, the don'ts. You can't do this on Sunday. You can't do this on Sunday. You can't do this. It was all very legalistic. Jesus never meant for the Sabbath, and that's why he said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And he went on to say, the Sabbath was created for you. We weren't created to follow the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for us to enjoy. It was for our benefit. It was to help us. God knew that we needed a day just to take an intermission and reflect on his goodness and everything that he's doing in our life. It's, it's, you know what? It's almost like a recalibration just to keep us going. And he knew once a week, that's how often we needed it. And so he did it for us. He did it for our sake. And so in keeping with with uh, what the poll said, it's actually not religion because religion is do, 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 do. I have to do this, don't do this. I have to do this, you don't do that. That's the rules of religion. Jesus never meant for us to be in the rules of religion. He meant for us to be in a relationship with him. And in that relationship, it's come to me those who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. It's going back to Psalm 100. It's going back into that place of entering his Gates with thanksgiving and coming into his courts with praise. And then bless his name. Okay, if you didn't get anything else out of this morning, that was enough for you right there. And you can enter into God's rest. Uh, how, do we, how do we go into... Um, oh, what time do we have here? We're going to go to number four. Go into T for time. Because time is an interesting point... Everyone here knows your birthday. You've, you've all got this special date. As soon as I say that, it's like, oh, yeah, that's what, whatever your date is. And uh, I know there was one. Anybody else having a birthday today? Today is your birthday. There was someone at the earlier service that it's actually June 3rd. Any, any other June 3rd birthdays? No? June 4th. Wow, okay. No June 3rd. Yesterday was your birthday. Okay, 12.30 service, there's no early June birthdays. But you know what your birthday is. And then there's this other day that one day all of us will have in our lives, and that's the day that we die. And if you go through any cemetery, there will be two days on that tombstone, or on that plaque, the day of birth and the date of death. And in between those two days that every one of us have, there's something in between there, and it's the dash. And right now, you and I are living in the dash. Your entire life, one day, will be summed up in a dash. That's encouraging. (laughs) But it's this thing called time that we're contained in. We're going to watch a little clip on, uh, on what we can do with our time, and then we'll come back and talk about it some more. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, 60 seconds spot on time. Can I have a clock in the corner? It's there. Thank you. Roll them. Rolling. Action. Okay, here's the deal. We all know that life is busy. There aren't enough hours in the day to do all the things that we want and need to do. In fact, you're probably thinking of all the things you need to do next week right now, wondering how you're going to squeeze it all in. 
But the fact is, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter how much is on your plate, we all have the same gift of 24 hours each day. It's 24 hours, 1,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds. All the money in the world won't let you buy one single second more than the next guy. And once that second is gone, it's gone forever. Look, there goes one right now. Another one, gone. You'd think that we would judiciously use such a limited and valuable gift. You'd think that we would choose wisely how to spend, no, invest our time. But do we? Really? I mean, after taking the time for eating and sleeping and all the other basic necessities, do we really use this gift the way we should? Think of all the great things you could do in 24 hours, all the lives you could touch, all the significant changes that could be made in your life and others. The fact is, you could actually make a difference in this world in 24 hours. Or not. So, how are you investing your time? We all gave a minute to that, you guys, of our time. We, <laughs> there it was, gone, listening to that guy. Uh, time is, that, like going back to that, that dash, how do we spend that time, that commodity, given to every person exactly the same? Can't buy more, can't use less, it's exactly the same. So we're entering his gates with thanksgiving, we're coming into his courts with praise, and we're coming with this dash of time. How do we walk in God's rest when the living of life, relationships, work, recreation, everything else encompasses our life and walk in that rest? I know we've shared about uh, the, the brother Emmy Littlefield that we worked with, but I have to share this story with him because I... I've yet to see someone who knew how to live in the dash with more rest or grace than he did. And he just, in that verse that we read in Matthew chapter 11, walk with me. Jesus said, walk with me, work with me, follow me, and I'll show you the rest that I have for you. He got that. Brother Littlefield, he he got it. It almost seemed too simple. We would challenge him. It's, you know, it can't be that simple. He was not a simple man. He was, he was a bright man, but he had the simplicity of rest. He was incredibly busy. People were coming to him all the time. He was a very, very busy man in the county that he was in because it happened to be a county where there would be, at that time, there was third and fourth generation uh, welfare recipients. And so the, it, there was great poverty in that county. And, and he would purpose to present the gospel and meet felt needs where someone, uh, they didn't even know how to work. It's like, just teach me. I don't even know how to keep a job. And he would connect him, them with people and say, you know, here's somebody that I think is going to work well with you. And would you take this person? Would you mentor this person? And he was doing that continually all the time. He was helping people. In fact, the commu- not only the church community outside the borders of his own church, but also the other churches that were in the area would send people to him because they knew he would never say no. And so they would send people to him and say, this person needs anything from a material good. They need a, they need a place to live. They need a couch. They need shoes. They need a jacket. This child, they need groceries. Groceries was all the time. It's like, okay, go, go grocery shopping and spend this much money. And here's the shopping list because it's a family of four. And let's go get them groceries. It is just constant And so he'd be doing this all the time, but he he walked in this rhythm of peace that was so intriguing, and it was so inviting. 
You just wanted to be with him. We had absolutely nothing in common with this 60-something-year-old man, and we're in our early 20s, except the presence of Jesus. And it was so compelling. We just wanted to be there. So we did Monday to Friday for eight months uh, in the afternoons from about 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock, and then on the weekends we would spend with him. And just whatever you need us to do, and he would just say, just come with me. And he wouldn't, until he would, there was sometimes that he'd send us off on our own, but the majority of the time it was just, come along, come with me. And so we, got, we were able to observe and watch the way this man walked. And we'd question him, and, and there's more than once, I can, he, he'd just shake his head, take our hand, and say, that's okay, one day you'll understand. And we were like, no, 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 you should be doing it like this. And why aren't you doing this? And all these other big churches are doing this. You could do this too. And he, no, no doing exactly what I should be doing. And there was a woman uh, that had come from a a welfare scenario like I spoke of, and she was a single mom, and he helped her get her real estate license. And she came to him, and she was so excited. And remember when she brought, she said, I got it, I got it, she had her paper. And she's like, I got it, I passed. I I can be a realtor. She says, but now I need you to pray for me to get a car. And he said, and she says, will you pray with me? And someone had just given him a vehicle. And had said, whatever you do, don't give this away. Because he gave everything away. He said, don't give this away. And I don't remember his response, but I will have known, I know him well enough to, he wouldn't have said okay. He will have said, God bless you or something. And, and uh, left the door open that if he felt like he needed to give it away, he would. And so he, this woman came up and he had this new set of keys in his pocket. And he just reached down into his pocket, brought out those keys and said, here it is. Here's your vehicle just walked in this rhythm of rest. And so the blessing of the Lord was with him wherever he went. It was quite amazing because you just saw God bless him because it was never about him. It's just, what can I do for you, Jesus? And he'd say, isn't it the greatest thing? You, you get to be the conduit for God. What better life could there be? And he would tell stories about how he was in a rock and roll band in uh, Newfoundland. And as I was a rock and roller, I'm not sure about what, what a rock and roller would have looked like in the 20s. But anyway, he was a rock and roller, he said. And, and uh, he was the drummer. And how God radically changed his life. And he said, I went around to every house. I knocked on every door on Prince Edward Island and told every single person about Jesus. And uh, he said, that was my, uh, and then moved down to the, to the States. But he was such a man of, that understood God's rest. The good news is it wasn't just for Brother Littlefield. It's for you and I. It's for every one of us to be able to walk in that kind of rest, in that kind of peace. There was, uh, what, there was a financial need that we had, and, and we told absolutely no one about this need. Maybe you've been there, and you said, God, this is, we have given. We had $5 left in our pocket. Okay, we were really p- poor students by that time. And uh, we had $5 left in our pocket. We gave it in an offering. Felt like the Lord told us to give it in the offering. And we were like, that's, it's a lot. We don't have, that's it. That's all we have. Maybe, maybe you've been, maybe you're there today. And you say, are there people actually like that? Well, we were. We have $5 left in our pocket. And we looked at each other and I said, I feel like we need to give this. And Dave says, I feel like that too. And said, but it's our last $5. I know, but what's $5 or zero? I mean, really, what, what's $5? Let's give it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's not a lot. So we, we gave it in an offering that morning, went to our apartment, and we both absolutely broke because we were planning to drive back to Canada 
uh, with some other students from Canada and uh, drive our vehicle back, and some of them were coming with us. And we had filled it up with gas, and we had the $5 left. We said, there's no way, you know, our car will get us halfway there. And uh, we're, we are broken, and so that's it. We can't go. And we actually phoned the other Canadian students and said, go ahead of us. We'll meet up with you somewhere. I know, past Chicago, we'll meet up with you somewhere, and, and uh, we'll, we'll reconnect there. And he said, are you sure? Are you sure? He said, yeah, yeah, there's just some, some things here. We, we're going to leave a little bit later. And we were we really wanted to, we really wanted to go back to Canada, and it was for Christmas and to be with our family. We said, "Okay, we'll stay here. We'll, we'll be okay. We'll stay here." And just at that time, there's a knock on our little apartment door. And uh, for those of you that are living in the little apartments without any furniture, we can relate. We were living in a little apartment with an upside down box as our table with two lawn chairs. So I, I, we totally understand what that's like. And he walked into our, Brother Littlefield walked into our apartment. We hadn't seen him for a few days. And uh, he walked into our apartment. He didn't say a word to us. He reached into his pocket, and on our little table, he started counting out $20 bills. And he said, will that get you home? We looked at him and we said, how did you know? He said, I didn't. But Jesus always knows. You just have to listen to him. He'll lead you. He'll take you wherever you want to go. You'll see the greatest things happen. Just listen to him because he'll tell you where to go. And he told him to come to our place and give us that money. There would have been no way. We did a really good job of not letting him because we were just like, we're not going to tell anybody. And... uh but Jesus told him, and, and we said, well, where, where did you get this from? We don't, want, we don't want to take your money, because this isn't my money. Someone came by my office this morning with this amount of money and says, I don't know why I'm giving this to you, but somebody needs it, so I'm leaving it with you, Brother Littlefield. Will you make sure it goes to wherever it's supposed to go? And he said, when that money came to me, he said, your name came to me at the same time. So I drove over here, and I'm giving it to you. What an exciting life to live. You guys, that's us. That's what Jesus has for you and I. That's living in God's rest. There's a clip that I want to show in closing. We sing a song here by uh, Chris Tomlin, and it's called I Will Follow. And it goes, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I stay. Where you love, I'll love. I'll follow you. And we sing this song. But I'm challenging you this afternoon. Let's go beyond it just being a song. Let's leave here really listening to Jesus' voice and say, I'm going to do something different. This is a, a story of a, it's a video of a song that will be very familiar to most of you. And it's the story behind the song that was written about 100 and 150 years ago in India. Let's watch this and then we'll close. There's a true story of a small village in India. And in this village, there was this family that came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. 
This agitated the village so much, and everybody became so upset that an angry mob gathered and shoved them into the public square. The village chief confronted them, and he said to the man, If you and your family will not recant your faith, you all will surely die. The man didn't know what to say or what to do. And so the only thing that came to mind for him were the words of a song that he himself had composed when he had first surrendered his life to God. And so he began to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And with that, horrifically, his children were killed. I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus No turning back No turning back He was given another chance, this time with his wife's life on the line. And yet he continued to sing, Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. After her tragic death, he was given one final opportunity, this time to save himself. And yet he continued to sing. Even though that man and his family died on that day, something remarkable happened. A seed was planted in the heart of that village chief, a seed that began to grow over time, and eventually he called the community together in that very same neighborhood, in that very same square, and he renounced his former faith and declared his allegiance to Jesus Christ. And a celebration broke out in that moment, and the gospel began to flourish and to grow in that community, not just in that village, but across the whole region, because they had seen real faith, and they knew the true character of God because of a family that believed and sacrificed even under the penalty of death.
this morning living in that dash, no turning back. You might be here this, this afternoon, and this is a, a time of rededication. There's times in that dash where God speaks specifically to you, and, and you know that he's talking, and he's saying, it's time to do some recalibrating. It's time to just adjust some things here. The cross before you, the world behind you, let it go. And he's challenging you this morning and say, will you do that this morning? Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.